Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is your host, Abby Martin. So I'm just going to give a quick intro to the podcast my brother and I did about this new intelligence report um, supposedly proving Russian interference in our elections, right? So this long-awaited report um, to kind of bolster the intelligence community's claim that Russia hacked the elections. Um, Half of the report is basically just bashing RT. And not only that, but it's an annex from a 2012 thing um, that was an internal document that I guess just got released and they found it credible and convincing enough to actually just add on this report. It looks like something that an intern did in a day. Um, It contained just old information about RT, including talking about my show with a McCarthyist smear that I foment radical discontent. So we're going to talk about that in this podcast at length. But I wanted to clarify that, yes, I do understand that it is an annex from um, a couple of years ago, which makes it even more insane that they're actually using that as evidence when <laughs> it really had nothing to do with this election as somehow sowing the seeds for the outcome that we have today. But um, I wanted to add a point that I just woke up this morning to seeing that the New York Times, of course, not only did they come out right after the intelligence report was released, defending it, saying it was damning, but also admitting that, of course, it had no actual evidence. But today, I just saw another article. um, And it is called, let me actually open it up right now. It's It's by a man named Goldman Russell. He's a New York Times reporter. The article is called Russia's RT, the network implicated in U.S. election meddling. It had been up for almost 24 hours before I even saw it. And when I saw it, I was very shocked because the article, of course, you know, the entire premise is defending the intelligence report and saying how RT has influenced um, the American electorate and Mainly, its main two points are using me and Liz Wall as examples, prime examples of anchors that were so sick and fed up with the propaganda that we quit on air. We quit on air because of propaganda, and they use this numerous times. The first iteration of the article says this. Hold on, let me open the tweet really quick. Um, The first iteration of the article said... Though the network is owned and operated by the Russian government, its executives say their journalists are independent. But two anchors who quit live during broadcasts say the network is a propaganda outlet. Okay, so that was the first quote. The next one is, that same year, two RT America anchors quit live during broadcasts to protest the network's coverage of Russia's invasion and occupation of Crimea. And then it quotes Liz And then it says, the other was Abby Martin, who said before quitting, what Russia did was wrong. So, of course, you know, I'm just appalled at the just lack of basic fact checking here. First of all, this was a huge story. Second of all, all eyes are on you guys. You know, you guys are the supposed paper of record. You can't do basic fact checking. You can't reach out to me. This article mentions me several times. The facts are on Wikipedia, bro. Like, how hard is this? Um, and, And really the point that, 
is the most insane is that the truth really discredits and undermines Russell Goldman's whole premise that the um, network is a propaganda agency and that everyone who's worked for it um, just echoes Putin propaganda and that it has indeed um, sowed the seeds for this discontent in American society when really, you know, I spoke out and denounced Putin on air. I kept my job for an entire year. I quit on my own terms and I actually went around and defended my editorial freedom that I had paved. And I called out all the corporate media that was having me on to use me as a tool um, to bolster their narrative by calling them out and calling out NPR for being funded by oil, oil corporations, calling out Piers Morgan for fear mongering about Russia and how dangerous that was. So I definitely didn't do what they're saying I did. And unfortunately, this article was up for, like I said, almost a day, other people were telling the author that it was full of factual inconsistencies and errors. So when I put Russell Goldman on blast on Twitter, um, of course, after almost a day of this article being up with egregious errors about me, uh, he responded, he said, this has been fixed, a correction has been made. So unfortunately, his correction still insinuates that I did quit in protest of, of Russian propaganda. Um, it says another anchor right after it says the Liz Wall thing. So it still says how Liz Wall quit live on air. And then it says another anchor, Abby Martin, quit some months after denouncing Russia's incursion on air. What Russia did was wrong. So then the correction says an earlier version of this article misstated when the RT anchor Abby Martin left the network. She quit some months after denouncing on air Russia's war in Ukraine, not during that broadcast. Of course, when you put it in conjunction with the Liz Wall stuff, it does indeed make it seem like I quit because of that. Um, when in fact the truth discredits this entire narrative and completely pokes hole, pokes so many holes in this guy's whole premise of his article that you know RT is just this vehicle for Russian propaganda. When really, what I showed was that I paid my editorial freedom and I denounced the financer of the network, and I was still able to keep my show for an entire year. Phil Donahue, Jenk Uger, many many people on mainstream media cannot say the same. And it really shows you that these people, not them, but a lot of these people on corporate media are total careerist hacks. They won't even try to pave their own editorial freedom to tell real news and to challenge the people who are financing their, their networks. Um, there's so many biases and conflicts of interest with the media apparatus and they don't even try to combat them or confront them at all. So I think it speaks volumes about why people um, are doing this. And, and the fact that half of the intelligence report was really just lambasting RT shows that they have nothing and their whole argument is completely empty. Um, so I think that we all need to be really, really on high alert questioning these narratives. Every story that you read, um, question it. Be a critical thinker, especially when you're looking at a publication that clearly has an extreme vested interest in selling this story. These people's careers are at stake. I mean, all of these Hillary surrogates have nowhere to go in a couple months. And I think that they're so desperate and lashing out. It shows you how desperate they really are. Um, on with the podcast with my brother to talk more in depth about the intelligence report and much more. Welcome to Media Roots Radio. This is Robbie Martin. And this is your host, Abby Martin. So Abby, you, uh, you hit the big time today. Um, <laughs> so tell, tell us all what happened. So as we know... Um, the, the whole United States establishment is in hysterics about Russia, quote, hacking the election doesn't make any sense. Obviously, there was a series of either hacks or leaks. We don't know who they were from. It's completely insane. There's this pathological psychosis going on where people are in hysterics 
pretending like we're, you know, going to war with Russia and that Russia somehow usurped our election and stole the vote, right? We can't accept that Hillary Clinton would have lost. So, of course, you know, at first it was just kind of like the Democrats leading the charge, trying to re- deflect responsibility and accountability. Then it became a bipartisan thing. Then you had McCain out there. And then you had Obama himself. And then you had Comey jump on board. So basically the entire apparatus of the empire is behind this charge that Russia was behind some sort of election like tampering when really when it comes down to it there were there was no tampering of the election there was simply hacks or leaks into things that just revealed criminality or corruption right so Russia didn't do shit (laughs) like whoever did leak this information just somehow put out what was already out there right so we yes we got an inside look at how the DNC works and it wasn't pretty and it addresses emails so long story short a report just came out today from the Office of the Director of National Intelligence and the Office of the Director of National Intelligence Council. So this report says, um, it's titled, Background 2, Assessing Russian Activities and Intentions in Recent U.S. Elections. So I know that they have said that they can't provide evidence because it's classified, right? So of course we can't see evidence to actually prove that Russia did anything to hack anything because it's quote-unquote classified. So all they're doing now is getting together a bunch of agencies to produce these reports, right? So this report, I don't know if it's the first report that's come out. Um, I don't know if it's the maybe one of many or the first of many. But what I do know is that it mentions Breaking the Set, my show on Russia Today. And it mentions just that show, as well as one other. And it mentions you by name, too. It doesn't mention me by name. It, oh, it just mentions yeah. your show. Yep, yep. So it's very obfuscated. But here, so so the report is basically, okay, assessing Russian activities and intentions. So it's very carefully worded. I wanted to read the key judgments before I go into how it actually mentions my show. Um, you told me to look up Clinton, and that's how I found it last time. Let me look this up. So here, here's the what it's saying are their key like findings and judgments. That Russian efforts to influence the 2016 presidential election represents the most recent expression of Moscow's long-standing desire to undermine U.S. democracy. Um, and how, and you know, there was an escalation in the directness, the level of activity, and the scope of effort compared to previous operations. So then it's saying. Basically, they're assessing that Vladimir Putin ordered this influence campaign himself aimed at the U.S. presidential election. Russia's goals were to undermine public faith in the U.S. democratic process, denigrate Secretary Clinton, and harm her electability and potential presidency. So, moving forward. So, it just kind of talks about that, like, blah, 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 talks about WikiLeaks, da-da-da, talks about... um, I don't know what the beginning of this report is. It says Russia's influence campaign targeting the 2016. So, yeah, so I guess it is. I guess this is the report, Robbie. I mean, it, the, the first half of the report is talking about why they think it was Putin. Um, like, like that the hacks were directed by Putin? Yep, yep. So it's basically just saying, like, this is their evidence, right? Um, beginning but you in, did a search for John, you did a search for no, Podesta. No, no, I'm not looking for Podesta, yeah. So it's only, it's, it's basically not, talking about hacks or leaks at all it doesn't say that at all it just talks about how putin has like been motivated to interfere in our elections and it's all like very hyperbolic 
like it, nothing is factual and nothing is actually um, related at all, like directly causally, you know, like related to Putin at all. It's just like very hypothetical. It's like, okay, beginning in June, Putin's comments about the presidential election directly praised Trump. Like th these are the kind of things that these bullet points say, you know, like talking about why he had a motivation. So da da da, moving on, moving on. Um, and then it talks about how Russia's intelligence services conducted cyber operations in the past. Okay. Um, I don't know how they know that. Um, so then, so then moving on, moving on, it talks about Guccifer. Now here we're getting into um, Annex A. So if anyone wants to look at this report, we'll put it on the SoundCloud timeline, but, but go to Annex A of this report and you'll start to see it talk about RT. Um, so it's called Russia. Kremlin's TV seeks to influence politics, fuel discontent in the U.S. Wait, so, why? Wait, I'm so I just pulled up the report. Yeah. It's just like the shittiest <laughs> report ever. It's, it's only 15 pages mm -hmm. long. Yep. And, my, and, and that whole and RT that, thing is the end. It ends after that. It's okay. Just from, okay. So do, when I was making a very heavy agenda, I actually sat down and read like the full reports from places like Institute for Study of War and Foreign Policy Initiative. And this report right. from the official intelligence agencies that's supposed to be a definitive report is far weaker and, and less um, fleshed out and and just way more vague than even like these think tank papers. Oh, totally. That's why I thought it was I mean, like it's a shockingly vague. I thought it was like a prelude to like an, a series of reports, but I don't think it is. This, this is, is basically the report, okay. dude. This is it. If if you read Michael Weiss <laughs> and Peter Pomerovsev's paper about the Kremlin weaponizing information that was released by Interpreter mm -hmm. Mag, which is now owned by um, the Broadcasting Board of Governors, a U.S. tax funded institution um it's like a way more detailed like way more <laughs> slam dunk like filled with facts version of this same thing <laughs> except minus the stuff about cyber operations right like it goes into way more detail it even actually instructs crowdsourced investigations to start like debunking this is propaganda before before Bellingcat existed, these guys were like coming up with the idea for what Bellingcat did. And yet the CIA or its intelligence report is just a bunch of bullet points of shit that every, that it's just like talking points. Yeah, this, no, is, this not is not even, nuts. this is nuts. This is not, what the fuck? So let's, let's talk about where it mentions my show. So blah, blah, blah. <laughs> it's talking about RT and it says in the, so here's what's amazing about this. I haven't had the show for two years. And this is what's incredible. It, we're talking about the 2016 election, I thought. So now it's going back to the 2012 election. And it's like, okay, let's look at all the ways Russia's influenced all of our elections. <laughs> and, and then it's like points to not even this election, right? It talks about the 2012 election and how my show and Truth Seeker fomented discontent. So it says in the run-up to the 2012 U.S. presidential election, RT America created and financed by the Russian government, the Kremlin, um, intensified its usually critical coverage of the U.S. The channel portrayed the U.S. electoral process as undemocratic and featured calls by U.S. protesters for the public to rise up and take this government back. Next bullet point. RT introduced two new shows, Breaking the Set on September 4th and Truth Seeker, both overwhelmingly focused on criticism of U.S. and Western governments as well as the promotion of radical discontent. 
And then it talks about how right after that time, and this was something that I did on the show, but it doesn't call it out by name again. It says, then during that time, November 2012, RT ran numerous reports on alleged U.S. election fraud, voting machine vulnerabilities, contending that U.S. election results can't be trusted, do not reflect the popular will. And it basically just says um, the RT hosts, and this is a quote from me, asserted that the U.S. two-party system doesn't represent the views of at least one-third of the population and is a, quote, sham. So it goes on to basically call out um, Margarita, the boss of RT, and her ties to the Russian government, which I don't know why this is noteworthy in this report. It's like, I, I, I don't really understand. And it really actually delves into Occupy, um, talking about how like the promotion of Occupy Wall Street by RT was like a really insidious thing <laughs> to try to call out the ruling class. Unbelievable. This is, is very, very strange, Abby. Oh, yeah. I, I, I mean, I mentioned this earlier, but it, the more paranoid part of me actually thinks this is on purpose, like a punt. Like it's not, they're not trying to make a very strong case. I don't know why they wouldn't be trying to. Or are they this, this that seem, dumb? But how is that possible? <laughs> you would, I mean, no, think about it for a second. Like you would, we have one of the best intelligence agencies in the world, if not the best. <laughs> And this is the best thing they can come up with, like right before, if they're trying to delegitimize Trump or trying to like embarrass Trump or whatever, this is like not a very good attempt at doing it. I don't even understand. They're not mentioning that this had an effect on the 2016 election yet, not in so far in the report right. that I've seen. Why would they even be talking about 2012? Right, that's what it's makes such no a minor, sense. I never even considered that, like- Maybe it crossed your mind that you were hired around that time because maybe RT wanted to like inject new things in the presidential election. I didn't even remember that. Right. Like that at being around the same time. So that's just an odd thing to point out, to call attention to. And it's also odd because I don't even like, call attention to like this election. Do you know what no, I mean? I know. That's what I'm saying. We're already 16 pages in the document. Why are they talking? <laughs> so they're now they're, and they're talking about how they aired an Occupy documentary. They're still talking about RT talking about Occupy. And Wall Street greed. This is very, very bizarre. And even what you, even what you're saying about third parties, like totally reasonable. You've said things that are way more extreme before. Um, that's just a really weird individual quote of their of yours to pull out that they would use, especially. 2012 is the election where Mitt Romney was saying Russia was our biggest adversary and biggest threat, and Obama was telling Romney, uh, your foreign policy sounds like it was borrowed from the 1980s. Or he said the 1980s called, they want its foreign policy back. So he was like making fun of Mitt Romney for act, like trying to dredge up all this Cold War shit from the neocons who were advising him. And then they're going back and talking about how Russia was trying to manipulate the 2012 election. It's so confusing. Just for the listeners out there, Abby and I just got news of this before we started recording. We weren't even planning to talk about this report. We didn't even, I mean, maybe you knew it was coming out. I didn't even realize it's coming out today. I know Trump was going to talk to the CIA today, apparently, and get a briefing on another page of this, um, the page that's talking about fracking, oddly enough. Um, and it mentions fracking a lot, as if RT's anti-fracking reporting is like harmful to the U.S. <laughs> election. Um, 
because all the candidates promote fracking. I right. mean, doesn't it like, I don't even, I think even Bernie Sanders wasn't, didn't even go after it really. So like, the, but the picture on that they use is a picture of, um, Liz. she's on Yahoo finance now. I forgot her name. Oh, Lauren uh, Lister. Or she's, yeah. Lauren Lister and Liz wall sitting across from each other before you even fucking got to the network. That's the picture they pull up in there. So it's like, if they're trying to associate Russian interference with like the current time period, 2017, or that it had an effect on the 2016 election, it almost seems like they're deliberately not trying to like associate it with the current time frame. That's what's so weird. This like, whole report makes it seem like it's from 2012. What happened to the 2016 really, hacking? You're right. And okay, so it says that they think that they developed a clear trajectory for Trump's win. They run. They mention that Russian media hailed Trump. Um, he's mentioned 17 times in the report, way more than Clinton, Trump's name is. But yet they don't show anything when they're going through individually point by point on the things like RT helped do. They don't mention a single thing having to do with like Trump or his positions or anything. Right, exactly, exactly. So I don't even understand. It's seriously... That's why it's so confusing. And like, it's what super in the fuck vague. Is this shit? It's super vague and weird. It's like I'm actually surprised that they did call out my show because of how vague everything else is. It's like, oh, RT ran. But then the thing they called out that. your show for is is confusing and weird. I mean, like, so yeah, the, the fact that they hone in on your show, it's like, oh, oh, someone must have been paying attention. But then, like, oh, but then, like, they didn't see any of the other things you've said on your show. Like, like what? to like to it's, paint us really bad. Yeah, I mean, this is. Yeah. It's weird that they would quote me saying like, okay, the two-party system's a sham. Who doesn't think that? <laughs> like, I don't know. Who doesn't think I don't that? understand this shit. <laughs> what the crazy. fuck? So basically, Robbie, is... what you're saying is that breaking the set didn't cost Hillary Clinton the election. That's sad. Breaking the set yeah. didn't put Trump in power? Wow. That's so crazy because I thought based on this report that my reporting as well as Truth Seeker put Trump in office, but damn. What how low do they think of people? <laughs> it's crazy. How stupid do they think people are? Unbelievable. Wait, okay. So this is an odd I've never seen this before. Maybe this is common. Somebody can tell me. Um it says there's a section Annex B in the report says estimative language consists of two elements judgments about the likelihood of developments or events occurring and the levels of confidence in the sources and analytic reasoning supporting the judgments judgments are not intended to imply that we have proof that shows something to be a fact assessments are based on collected information which is often incomplete or fragmentary as well as logic argumentation and precedence excuse what me what the fuck is going wait, on wait is that this that's is, like their like precursor dude, to be like by the way we have zero evidence of anything this, this report <laughs> seems insane. like it was written by like an onion writer <laughs> But like almost someone more clever like than a normal writer for the onion who let the jokes are like really like layered. Right. Like it's a parody. I mean, right. but it's this is so surreal. Michael Weiss and Peter Pomerantsev, if they're not working for the US intelligence agencies, they should be, because this is so much worse than anything that, like any paperwork they put out uh, about the similar shit. It's unbelievable. Let's talk a little bit more about how insane this whole 
this whole Russia thing is because, you know, 52% of Democratic voters think that Russia tampered with the vote. Why is that? Well, we have this fake news, hysterical stuff going on. Meanwhile, you have fake, actual fake headlines, which, you know, people only read headlines propagated by the New York Times, Washington Post, all these other publications who say Russia hacked the vote. <laughs> like literally they, they're they saying these misnomers that are so false and misleading that if you don't read full articles, which a lot of people don't, the vast majority of people, you are going to think that. So yeah, I guess it is really crazy that like politically conscious people who are educated think that Russia hacked our voting process. That's insane. Um, and then you have all these politicians coming out and and basically alluding to that you know tiptoeing around making people very confused no one's coming out there and, and putting forward saying look this is exactly what happened this is what we know this is what we don't know so it's just fostering this like crazy confusion they want to talk about a post-truth era well this is who's causing it you're putting all these dueling narratives it's it's so convoluted and confusing the reality um and then you have like what you know these publications that are supposed to be the most trustworthy that are the most untrustworthy and then you have all these trump loyalists who are just blindly accepting all conservative media like all these like batshit stupid conservative media sites that now are just the ultimate truth because cnn lies like it's something's bad like we really need to become critical thinkers and media literate because this we are getting into a very treacherous time and if we don't take a step back Things are going to go haywire really quickly. And and here's the problem. People are so like anti 9-11 truth or like anti-conspiracy theorists to the point where they go so far into this like quasi like I'm a skeptic of everything, including mm -hmm. like all conspiracy theories direction that they are less willing to believe like things that are super obvious and that were like way obvious to people like back when we were growing up in the eighties and the late seventies before I was born um, people because of things like the church committee and Watergate were very aware of the, of how corrupt the U S government was during the church committee. They actually pass around what the CIA or I don't even know if it was the CIA um, I think it, I, I, it probably was the CIA in part was developing a heart attack gun and they're passing this around at the church committee and asking questions of what they were trying to do. And basically the CIA admitted that they were trying to make something where you could assassinate someone and make it look like a heart attack, like from, like from a, like a short distance away. Um, and that's like at one extreme end of what the government admitted to be working on. And at the other end, NSA spying was rampant back in the 70s, and so was domestic propaganda and COINTELPRO. Right. This is how the American public learned about things like COINTELPRO trying to disrupt protest movements, the hippie movements, the Vietnam War protests, the Black Panther movements because of the church committee. Um, exactly. That was supposed to end during that era. But what's happened now is it's not even a matter of like speculation or question we already know that the Bush administration, along with the U.S. media, conspired to sell us the Iraq war based on lies. We already know they did that. And that was when it was supposedly illegal for the U.S. government to propagandize domestically. The U.S. government was always allowed, um, I think since the end of World War II, to propagandize in other countries with things like Radio Free Europe 
and other forms of black ops or psyops campaigns in other countries. But in 2013, um, this is not from a conspiracy theory website. This is John Hudson from Foreign Policy Magazine um, reported uh, that the U.S. repeals propaganda ban spreads government-made news to Americans. So this is no longer speculation or something that we have to like be worried if we believe in this concept, we're being like true conspiracy theorists because it's real. They actually repealed the official ban for propagandizing exactly. the American public in 2013. Exactly. Yep. Think about what time period that was. That is really when the new Cold War propaganda started ramping up. The Syria like psyops started ramping up. A lot of things started to drastically shift. Um, and we are right now, the time period we're living in, I think is sort of an evolution of what got kickstarted at, during that time. And, I, and it's the problem is you look paranoid and conspiracy theorists to be like point at certain things and say that's a psyop or that's like propaganda or that's like a journalist running, you know, because it's one thing to be like that journalist is running a propaganda piece from a, you know, an anonymous leak from an intelligence official. But what about things that are directly plant, planted propaganda? Exactly. We have no idea. Right. We can only speculate. That's the problem. But it's, hap it ha it's obviously happening. Um, so I think that that's, I mean, that's just what we need to be aware of with um, the, the post-truth era. There's so many. So it's like if the U.S. government and Obama and the mainstream media want to complain about fake news, one can only assume that the idea of the fake news being a problem in and of itself is some kind of like psyop campaign. Right. That it was like, that is like launched as a psyop. Right. Um, so, I mean, but again, I, you know, if somebody like took a clip of this podcast of what I just said, I would sound kind of nutty, but it's like, this is what is going, this is the going to be the inevitable result of this kind of domestic propaganda. Um, Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and now they created maybe this that's even part of it. Ministry of Truth now, you know. Yeah, and then, and and I wouldn't be surprised if the outliers like us who are fully acknowledge that we're being propagandized on a daily basis to like want to go into Syria, you know, intervene in Syria, or want to be adversarial towards Russia. I mean, you know, m maybe it's almost to make us look like nutty and like we're paranoid. I mean, and, and it's like, I almost feel like people who believe that kind of thing are ostracized um, or they're like, you know, like right wing, like Trump people who are just like, oh, the, all the mainstream media is fake news now. Right. And that's sort of how they look at things or they talk about things. That's unbelievable. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's a big problem is, is all the mainstream media is fake news. So if you post anything from any of these outlets, it's just fake news now. But yet all this garbage online about, you know, Black Lives Matter kidnapping. <laughs> like, I mean, that's all that's all just real because Paul Joseph Watson says it on Twitter. So I think we've come to a really important crossroads where, you know, it's a, it's 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 a lot of people who we've been kind of in a loose knit community with for since Obama got elected because we were always anti-Obama. But now that we're now that Trump's getting into office, we're seeing a lot of these people kind of shift into just blind party um, partisan loyal loyalists. And it's extremely disturbing. And it's uh, it needs to stop because it's coming along with the fake news stuff. It's like everything that's criticizing Trump is fake. And, and Trump's um, 
Trump's promoting this narrative also, which I think is extremely dangerous because when you're having it validated by like your your hero that you're worshiping, that's really bad. That's really bad. Where do we leave off? So we left off um, just talking about how insane the report is and how it makes no sense because it's so old, you know, and like they don't have any evidence really of... (laughs) any recent it's just completely anecdotal weird things that actually would appeal and apply to like democracy now the young turks you know fracking calling out the two-party system all of these things are things that i think a lot of progressives can agree upon so it's it's quite odd that they're pointing at very generic things that you know are kind of commonplace um criticisms of the u.s government and its system (laughs) well they're they're basically they're being as vague as possible because they're trying to make the very weak case. The case they're making is very weak because of what they show as evidence that somehow Russia using RT and other means has like undermined Americans confidence in their own country and their own system. Like as like a camp, like a campaign to propagandize yeah. the American public, but they're not making that case very strongly. The examples they're using are poor. They're not, timely they're like you're saying they're from 2012 um they're about issues that rt talked about a lot that had nothing to do with the election um cycle that had nothing to do with hillary clinton or trump um you know if anything they were just critical of obama and they're not even really making that case that too much in it so it is odd that they would yeah, that that's the case they're trying to make, and they wouldn't make a be- like a stronger case of it. Right, right. It's very, very odd. Because I think someone savvier could make a stronger case, just like right. one of these neocon type people. Right. You know? So exactly like Michael Weiss or or Peter Pomerantsev, and they have already. So, and I still think what they write is bullshit. But this is just even more vague. I don't. It's I don't understand who it's trying to appeal to, and some guy on Twitter. Um, I, I was saying, uh, you know, if they're trying to make a pro-Trump RT case, why are they mentioning so many lefty issues that RT promoted? Right, right. And then someone said, it's because it was also a suppression effort targeting the left, which had the same end result. And I right. said, assuming you mean undermining American confidence in the U.S. system, you think RT and Russia are to blame for that? And he says, I absolutely think RT appealed to the left, funding third-party messages to drive electoral wedge. Yes. So it's like he didn't really directly answer my question because the report is making it seem like RT and Russia are to blame for that. You know, And they're not mentioning the fact that the, maybe the reason people don't have as much confidence in the American system is because it's in shambles, possibly. It's just the most half-baked bullshit attempt to try to construe some sort of narrative about russia undermining our election it it really is actually sad it's sad because Um. (laughs) rt and in some instances your show and this was and i'm not saying that this doesn't undermine what you were doing in any way because there was a huge void of people on the left not of just not criticizing obama there was a void left over from that and rt swooped in there and all they did was they started broadcasting stuff that just sort of fit into where that void was. Right. And your show fit in perfectly into that because you were doing, you you had already had opinions that were more to the left than most people are willing to go. 
like on TV or uh, or mm-hmm. really anywhere else. So it's just it's so weird that they would like I was just talking to someone uh, about about how you know they couldn't prove that Russia hacked us and they can't show us the evidence for whatever reason, you know, they claim they have reasons they can't show us cuz it's classified or whatever. You know, it's probably bullshit. But mm-hmm. the it's just funny that now instead of just saying that Russia tried to undermine our election and do all this stuff and that like Russia's evil, basically they were trying to campaign uh, uh, propagandize us into thinking Russia was evil. It was our new main adversary. Putin's a demon. Mm-hmm. And then they started saying that they're interfering with our election. They're behind these hacks. Mm-hmm. And now they're trying to say that, Oh, guess what guys, not only are they behind these hacks and we're not going to show you any evidence for it, but they were setting this up the whole time Years. to make Americans like dislike themselves and dislike their own country. So it's yeah, like yeah. they made us hate ourselves also. It's like, like they the- propagandized <laughs> us into disliking our own system. It's like it's that's like how desperate it is. It's the most bizarre long game ever. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and even if Russia was, and let's just be honest, like I'm sure that Russia wanted in some ways to undermine the United States image. I mean, like I cannot completely understand the reasons for doing that, but like they didn't do, they really didn't do very much. They could have done it a lot harder if they wanted to. Again. Yeah. I mean, it's just, it's just such a weird thing to, to come out after all of this, right? Everyone in the world is just kind of at the edge of their seats waiting for this report, you know, and, 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 and really ready to dig into it. And this is what they have. This is it. It's not even so much as, Oh, um, Putin did this now and is and is um RT's doing this now. It's just like over the course of the last five years, RT has been covering and and showing that that um elections are basically bad in the US. It's like that's really like that's literally what you have. After all of this, you're coming at us with a 17 page report that looks like it was written as like a joke and just like someone just threw on government logos on it. Yeah. And it's just and it's just like summaries of different leftist news points. It's Hello? like, how is this real? Seriously. Hello? It's crazy. Fuck. Abby? What's going on? Can't hear you. What the fuck happened? I don't know. What? It just it just, you just stopped talking. That's so weird. My i f- I'm like not even touching my phone. I don't know why it keeps turning off. Are you still recording though? Yeah, I'm okay. recording. I never stopped. Okay, good. Me neither. That's so fucking weird. Um, anyway, it's just really crazy that this is what they have after all this time is just a half-baked, weirdly contrived, dumbass report that's super small and and three quarters of it is talking about news on RT from five years ago. Wow, great job, guys. I'm totally convinced that Russia hacked the election. Unbelievable. It's just... <laughs> Yeah, it just seems it screams of desperation, but at the same time, like I was saying before, it, they're not trying hard enough to make the case. It seems like they're trying to make. I but it's feel weird, like, like even the New York, all these people are promoting it like it's just real. Like I mean, not that it's not real, but like the New York Times is like, here's the intelligence report on Russia, and everyone's just like, oh shit, like look at. You're like, wait, is anyone realizing that this is like a complete joke? How are mainstream reporters even taking this seriously? And the fact that they're giving your show and the Truth Seeker, like, I mean, that's the only two shows they name by name that they're giving you guys the credit. Like, that's just, that's pretty impressive that they would do that. Like, 
they could have been talking about things that were more timely and just show specific examples. On this date, RT International had a news segment on this Assad story about Assad that's like pro-Assad or something and like, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. know, they said so-and-so was like a false flag that the rebels were killing people and it wasn't Assad, but it was actually Assad or something stupid like that. Like just examples like that. Like right. That's right. Remember how people were trying to poke holes in their Crimea coverage by doing things mm-hmm. like that? Like they don't even mm-hmm. do anything mm-hmm. like that in this report. That's what's odd right. about it. Because right. that stuff, even some of the shit BuzzFeed was running, as hokey as it was, like where they were trying to show, you know, they were like yeah. over exaggerating that. It was way better than what the examples they pull up in this. <laughs> don't you think? BuzzFeed did a better job. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I just, that's what's so strange. I can't get over the fact of how weak of a case they're making. <laughs> Hello? Hello? There's some, is, is someone fucking with us at this point? Because I, I, I'm literally not doing anything. <laughs> I'm not, I'm, this is insane. This is absolutely insane. Please stop. I'm sitting here looking at my phone, not touching anything, and it's just, this has never happened before. Anyway, yeah. I don't know what the fuck is going on. But you were just talking about how insane the, that BuzzFeed didn't actually a better job than this report did. And I and what's so funny about the hacking the election and how Russia did this and how Hillary didn't really lose? Then why aren't they calling to recall? I mean, isn't this a huge, huge thing? Instead of just saying, oh. Um, all right, Russia's bad. Now we need to sanction Russia. It's like, wait, you're actually saying that Russia cost Hillary the election and you're not going to like redo the election? Like that's a big charge. That's a huge loaded charge. Like, don't you take that as seriously as you should? Like if you actually have intelligence proving that Russia cost Hillary the election? Wow. Well, this is- So they have nothing. You bring up a really great point because this is what's interesting. There's, so that's happening on two fronts. I wouldn't. I, I don't even know what phrase you would use to describe it, but it's almost like the rhetoric or the propaganda that the U.S. government uses has reached such a like a height or an intensity to the point where it's um, completely eclipsing like what people can just plainly see as obvious. Like it's like it's there's like a disconnect more than it even was like during like the Iraq war when they were lying about WMDs and stuff. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like like so and and I feel like that there it's the same way by the where, where p- people in the media and different people in the government are saying like Trump is a fascist or they're trying to say that he's going to bring fascism to America. Where just like that, if the, if the U.S. government thought that Russia hacked. The, the DNC to sway the election um, to Donald Trump, that's such a serious accusation. You would think that it would like be a huge game changer and something would have been done in retaliation or, or just would have been taken way yeah, more seriously. Of course. Just of course. like if Trump was really a fascist, well then fight a fascist like you would fight like, like a Nazi, like back in the 1940s. Like, why aren't you doing, why aren't, why aren't people who called Trump a fascist out on the streets fighting him and his incoming government exactly. like they would a fascist uh, exactly. takeover. Right. So it's like... Like they would Hitler. Like they're, yeah. they're claiming he's like the Hitler. It's just like, it's almost like all these people are, I mean, including the government are using such hysterical rhetoric that 
it's it's like they're fucking it up for themselves by doing it. I just don't understand. It's it just seems like they could be a lot more clever about it. That's why I keep saying that. It's right. I, so that's what almost makes me think it's like. If I didn't know any better, I would say it's self sabotage, but it, that seems like a ludicrous thing to suggest. I mean, it does seem like that because it's so out there, but. You know, I, I interviewed two experts on Russia yesterday, Stephen Cohen and Mark Ames. Of course, they're totally blacklisted from the mainstream media because they tell very hard truths. Um, even Stephen Cohen, who got on Democracy Now! to debate Ken Roth recently about Syria, and he did an excellent job, he said he'll probably never never be invited back on. Um, so Stephen Cohen is great because he, he just like dissects. And what's so funny is he just dissects all the misinformation about, you know, like all the charge Putin's a dictator. And he just explains, no, he's not a dictator. He's like, here's how the government actually works. And apparently that's just too crazy for the mainstream to ever give credence to, you know, instead of these hysterical loaded like charges that, oh, he's a he's a he kills journalists. He's a dictator. He's a despot. Um, apparently they can't even acknowledge like the facts like how does russia actually function how does russia work <laughs> what is the political system like like you think this would be things that we would want to know as members of the global community who are blaming this country for all the ills in america but so steven's great he he really broke down a lot of stuff but mark was really great because you know he was saying I, i'm not i'm not like putting that out of my mind completely that Russia could have hacked the DNC or whatever. He was like, because they actually would have motive in the sense of what we've done to fucking Russia. And he went off talking about not, you know, like let's, let's leave all of the war on communism aside and start with the collapse of the Soviet union. What we fucking did to that country, I, we colonized it. We colonized it with foreign capital. We seized all of the fucking resources, just like we do to every other country in the world. But this was even crazier because it was like the largest reserve of untapped resources because, you know, you're taking all these nationalized resources and now privatizing it. So it was a huge fire sale. It was a win-win. Um, all these corporations went in, scraped it clean. It, it turned the most equal society in the world, factually, to the most unequal society in the world. It turned, you know, Soviet Union into the world's biggest oligarchy. And Yeltsin, um, completely aided and abetted by the U.S. government, there was a, um, a coup on the first democratically elected parliament in Russia in 1993, where bullet, where people died, tanks, a military seizure of the fucking parliament building, all aided and abetted by the U.S. We're here praising it in the U.S. Oh, Russia's doing so good. Mm -hmm. um, and then three years later, again, we f we um, highlighted the fraud in the vote. We uh, we basically propped it up, said their elections were illegitimate, made Yeltsin win, the most unpopular person in the history of Russia because of what he did to that country. It was a complete shit show. Here on Time Magazine, we have Yeltsin on the cover in 1996 saying how u.s diplomats helped yeltsin get into power we were bragging about it and cheering about it at home of course that's how insane when you look at what we did and they still and mark was saying they they still didn't blame us until the bombing of yugoslavia and then they finally took a step back and said holy shit why are they doing this to us you know they still kind of had this this nostalgia for like, okay, maybe we can have a democracy and maybe capitalism won't be so bad. And they just got fucking hosed because of us. 
So yeah, there is kind of a motive. You know, I'm not I'm not saying that like Russia did it because of this. I'm just saying when you look at like you'd never hear that. If they want to talk about the truth about Russia, let's hear that. Let's hear that side of it. Let's hear what we did to Russia. So it kind of makes this report look like a fucking kid's play. Oh, Russia today talked about fracking in 2011. Well, we fucking killed people and took over the whole country. That's what's so, yeah, that's what's so absurd about it. I mean, going back to what you said about the Yeltsin's victory, when I t- spoke to Mark, um, I think it was about a year ago now. Yeah, check out the podcast on Media Roots. We'll link to it. It's great. Yeah, and I can't wait to see your interview with them for Empire Files. But he he was telling me that basically they they had they used American money, um, pay, help um, by the American government with their money to buy out most of the television time around the time of the election for pro Yeltsin coverage. Um, and the guy who right. was behind that in Russia, their their proxy guy to do that, was the guy who ended up forming the networks that RT and these other Russian television networks sprung from. So basically the mastermind behind RT was directly involved in sort of this U.S. information war campaign to get Yeltsin elected in Russia. And he at some point switched sides and probably to him it wasn't, it's like what they were doing was minuscule compared to what the U.S. was doing that he was completely fully aware of. Right. Um, and then coincidentally, that's the same guy who died in that hotel room in D.C. that for like a year and a half, the U.S. media was like, yep. oh, Russia, another Russian journalist dies. He's like the guy head of RTs. It looks like someone beat him up in his <laughs> hotel room. And then it turned out he was actually just he got so drunk, he like hit his head on his nightstand. Yep. And died. And that yep. was the official like autopsy. I think they yep. even did like a federal investigation of it to give it an extra sheen of mystery yeah. and suspense. And I bet you 90% of people probably still think that Russia killed that guy. Of course. <laughs> it's crazy. Of course. Absolutely insane. Yeah. And they always talk about, um, you know, and Anna Poliskaskaya and Litvinenko and, the, you know, the so-called the amount of journalists that um, Putin killed, like directly killed himself, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. even though they don't uh, blame Netanyahu for Rabin's death. Even though, in all likelihood, a lot of the journalists and people who died under, you know, when Putin took power in Russia could have been like right wing pro Putin extremists, just like the assassin who killed Rabin. And nobody here blames Netanyahu for murdering a prime minister. Um, So I think that that needs to be taken into account. And then also, Mark Ames mentioned on the same podcast that there were like almost a hundred political assassinations. Um, of Yeltsin opponents while Yeltsin was in power. So yep, he said that journalists would go with and suitcases would explode like that. People were dying every day. Yeah, yeah. Dissidents, journalists, um, opponents. It was a mess, yeah. and and not to mention how just horrible the living standards were for everyone. Yeah, I mean it's almost comical when you listen to some of these neocons. Like I use some clips in a very heavy agenda. Robert Kagan in the 90s saying like, you know, well, if Russia, you know, stays, uh, stays like dormant and, and, and like, um, and is like not hostile, then, then that's good. But if they aren't, then like, what happens like if in 10 years and 20 years, they like try to regain like some kind of world status again, or like world power again, it's almost like they're all like hedging on the fact that of course this country's at some point gonna, you know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, you could look at it like that we never really allowed 
uh, Russia to ever become a truly no. independent country. No, but then now we're not. now we have a now, but we have allowed them to become like a, a so-called totalitarian dictatorship was how the U.S. government portrays, you know, the Putin regime well, in Russia. That's what's so funny is it because make also sense. Yeltsin handpicked Putin to like basically shroud and protect the oligarchy and all the crimes and like the, the money transfers that he had perpetrated and 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 um, been in charge of. And so Putin was handpicked to kind of protect these oligarchs and to continue this corrupt system. And the U.S. was fully on board until guess what? The Iraq War. Well, that's when we that's when we switched. When Putin didn't want to go to Iraq, that's when we got the freedom prize for Russia. That's when we didn't like Russia anymore, and that's when all of this started. I completely forgot all of this until Mark. I, I just it's just the most mind blowing story. Well, that's fascinating because we didn't publicly <laughs> go after Russia that much. We made it all about France. Yep. Which is kind of interesting that speaks to something maybe that we didn't want to go that hard against Russia because we like backed off at that point and coming from the Bush administration, that's odd. But mm -hmm. if you remember back to nine 11, Russia's apartment building bombings had already happened. And if all these right. Bush officials, apparently Richard Pearl and David Frum knew for sure back when the apartment building bombings happened, that it was, they, th they think it was Putin and the FSB that did them, that killed, um, I think, mm -hmm. over 60 people in different cities in Russia. Uh, so if they thought that, then why was the Bush administration so friendly with Russia after 9-11? Why did Putin and Bush have a phone call on 9-11, a friendly chat? Um, why Great did question. Russia present Bush with this giant teardrop memorial um, as condolences for 9-11? None of that really adds up. So... I, I don't know if that speaks to a faction inside the Bush administration or a split, um, but it is very odd. I mean, like, as you said, like um, things started to turn when they defied us with the Iraq war. But even when they, you know, supposedly incurred into Georgia, I think in 2007, the Bush administration didn't do anything either. So that's also right. interesting. Like why, if right. all these neocons were in his administration, why was McCain... And Robert Kagan, like, taking so much more of an aggressive line about the Georgia situation, which also the Georgia situation gave rise to places like Washington Free Beacon. The guy who launched that website was the Georgian lobbyist for um, Orion Strategies. So I think Very actually that was his lobbying group. So all these little, you know, and, and propaganda operations, like, come out of these different things. Like, they find a, a window of opportunity and they take it. Like, in that case, they formed a whole right. website. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So. Absolutely. It's 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 amazing. Um, you know, all of a sudden people just believe the CIA again. And Mark also brought up a point that in two thousand three in the lead up to the Iraq war, um, they were actually saying the New York Times was actually printing articles about how Iraqi hackers were doing a giant Saddam um ordered hacking of U.S. infrastructure and stuff. This was an actual New York Times report, and it was hysterical fear-mongering against Saddam Hussein engineering a giant hacking operation. Isn't that funny? Yeah. Isn't that funny? It is funny. And <laughs> did you know that they also tried to run, repeat a story that came out in 2014? April of 2014, Homeland Security released an emergency alert saying that Russian malware was installed on all these computers of important power grid systems 
like of infrastructure in the United States. So like power companies, computers had Russian hacking um, being done what the on hell? them. So, so but crazy. A, just a week ago, the Washington Post ran another Russian fear-mongering story saying that a power plant, I think in Delaware or Utah, had a Russian hack attempt done to it. Yep. Yeah, Mike was telling me about that. And yep. it was found out to be complete bullshit. Totally fake. Yep. 100% yep. bullshit. And mm -hmm. it's just like, were they planting the seeds for this back in 2014? I mean, because you can trace back a timeline of, you know, the very first person really to mention this kind of stuff and get it out into the media was Hillary Clinton. She would drop all these little innuendos. Like she would say like, oh, whenever I have to travel to Russia, like we always bring a burner and like bring like, you know, bags that block out cell phone signals because, you know, when I am there, I just assume I'm getting my emails right every time. And then like Carrie said, like a, a month later, you know, um, you know, Russia and China, like are always like reading our emails. We've known they've like tried to get into the state department. First, they said they actually hacked the state department. That was like the first major news story that came out around 2015 ish. Then they said they hacked the DNC. Then it was like Guccifer or whatever. Mm-hmm. But what was mm -hmm. interesting about the very first they hacked the DN that Russia might have hacked the DNC story was they didn't have any evidence whatsoever. It just said that this seems like something Russia would do. And the reasoning in the story, and whoever whatever DNC official talked to the paper, they actually gave a reason that seemed like it made some kind of sense, which which was Russia doesn't know anything about Trump. And in the case that he wins. They, that the only thing that we could find that was accessed or stolen was Trump opposition research in the DNC files. And that's all that was taken by this hack. So when they very first talked about it and the DNC spoke to the press, that's all they said. So I'm actually in, inclined to almost believe that very first iteration of what they said to the press to right. some extent. Not saying that Russia did it necessarily, but that maybe the only thing that was taken was the Trump opposition files, something that was later leaked on the internet, I think. I don't even think WikiLeaks leaked it. Um, and I could see Russia wanting to obtain those because Trump is a of wild course. card. There's right. no... And <clears throat> I was just going to say there's no way in hell that Trump would be trusted by Russia just based on his rhetoric alone. Exactly. That's what I, that's exactly what I was going to say. Is this whole Trump and Putin are BFFs is is insane. First of all, Trump knows how to play the media. He probably was just he never even came out and said one way or the other. In fact, if you look back, he has like said good things about Putin. But who the fuck? He's a businessman. It's like the Rex Tillerson thing. It's like, oh, he he's a he's too close to Russia. It's like he's a fucking capitalist. He's running one of the biggest oil companies in the world. Why would he not have dealings with Russia? You idiots. Yeah. How funny but, um, is that? That that's how the <laughs> that's mainstream crazy. media tried to throw Rex Tillerson under the it's bus. It's insane. It's insane. That's but the Trump thing hilarious. is so crazy, too, because Putin, there was it's a mistranslation of there's, the, of course, the story out there, just like the wipe them off the map, Ahmadinejad mistranslation. There's a mistranslation of Putin, quote unquote, praising Trump for his like brilliance. But really, the word in Russian means eccentric. Mm -hmm. And that's really like what they point to. They're like, look at he praised him. It's like, it's not even the word. But but even so, to your point is that, yes, of course, the rhetoric, he knows Trump's a wild card. Uh, Stephen Cohen made a good point, too. He was like, the biggest threat to Russia and Putin is actually not coordinating with the U.S. They have terrorism on their border in Syria. 
it's insane that they would want to, you know, like they want to collaborate. They want, um, they, Putin has said this whole time. He's like, I want a partner in the US. We need a partner to fight terrorism. I'm not trying to defend the war on terror at all. I'm just saying the motive doesn't even make that much sense. If you're looking at, oh, they want to destabilize Western democracy and, you know, acting like he's like some communist um, dictator who like wants to fucking completely abolish capitalism and like destroy Western democracy. That makes no sense at all. We're all, they're all capitalists. They're all, they need coordination on business and stuff. Like Ukraine was really like about an oil pipeline and gas pipeline. So it's just, it just doesn't make any sense to me. Like all this weird resurrection of like Soviet iconography and painting him like, like Stalin. And so I was like, what the hell is this? Putin is an ally, like in capitalism. There's, you know, unless they're, they're threatened economically because like they're partnering more with China and, <clears throat> and maybe icing the US out more. But it doesn't make sense when you're looking at what is Putin's motivation to, like he's, you know, and, and also the whole Trump thing. It's like, he knows the history of the US. It's like Cuba. It's like, they're not just going to start trusting us because Trump is president. Like he knows Trump is a hothead. He can go any way the wind blows. If he says something about Trump's hands, Trump can maybe want to go to war with him. Like who knows what's going to happen? Look at the Iran stuff. All these people who want war with Iran. How could that change the dynamics? So it doesn't even make sense at face value, like this whole partnership. And I think what they're doing is they're just trying really hard because they know what a fragile ego Trump has to make him almost feel like you're a Kremlin stooge and try to just like get that under his skin so much that he will actually renege on wanting to normalize relations with Russia. And I think that that I mean, that maybe that's just their last ditch effort. No, I think you're I think to that's, keep that going. I think that's definitely part of the campaign. It's meant to get into the heads of people and re put Republican pressure on Trump. Mm -hmm. Because even though like people like Sean Hannity and Tucker Carlson and all these like Republican media pundit douchebags are acting like the hacking allegations are completely false, a lot of generic Republicans aren't. And they're pushing for some kind of retaliation against Russia for this shit already. Lindsey Graham and John McCain already did like a joint hearing and released a statement about it. You know, and basically uh, yep. said it was an act of war. Um, but no, I th I totally think that's part of what's going on. I mean, it's in the same way, but for much faker reasons. I mean, I think it was legitimate to say that Bush stole the election by having the Supreme Court decide the election in 2000. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I do think the Democrats took advantage of that and people on the left took advantage of that um, and I'm not saying took advantage of it wrongfully. I think that they, you know, they used it to their advantage um, to like to delegitimize Bush pre Bush's presidency to a certain extent. And maybe that that got inside his head. You know, it's hard to know. But I think that this is way worse in the sense that what you're saying is it's not just that a lot of people will think, um, you know, like only Democrats will think that Trump uh, was a Kremlin stooge and that Russia helped get him you know mm -hmm. get the election it's that it'll eventually creep into a lot of like generic republicans minds yep. and that i do think they're this whatever effect this is meant to have it hasn't soaked in fully yet i think that's almost why they're doling it out like this like slowly right but 
at the same time, Obama's almost out of office. So what are they going to show Trump today? That's a thing. Yeah, you know, they like, said they're going to show gonna Trump do? something. The CIA is going to brief him on whatever. Well, they're going to they show have. him this fucking report, baby. And it's so funny too. <laughs> what, I mean, you're not convinced. <laughs> I don't want to like Trump, but I mean, he's not. This is the thing. It's like he's like a broken clock. He's not wrong when he says uh, the CIA says that, that you know Russia hacked the yeah. DNC, but. They don't. They still don't have any evidence. Very strange! Exclamation mark. Like he's very strange. He's like trolling the, the intelligence agencies. Right. I mean, right. and people, uh, Democrats are like, "Oh my God, Trump doesn't agree with the CIA." Like, what a bastard this guy is. It's like, no, that's the wrong reason for disliking Trump. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's, that's like the only good These thing that Trump are so does. Pathetic, <laughs> like, dude. These people are so yeah. pathetic. Oh, and and I'll, and remember the New York Times article that was like, "Now America, you know how Chileans felt." It's like, no, I don't think that there was a a fascist fucking coup of a democratically elected leader where we had a violent, murderous Pinochet style um, death reign. No, I don't think that's what happened. You assholes! Like, what what is going on here? Like, it's so crazy. It's like now you know, now you know how Chile felt. Like, no, I don't really think that's comparable to what we did to Chile, but okay. Well, I heard some some idiot comedian just casually talking about how scary Trump is. And they're like, I just watched the movie The Manchurian Candidate the other night. They're talking about the original <laughs> oh movie, the one yeah. about Russia. And he's like, oh, man, it's like so true. Like, it, like we literally have a Manchurian candidate for president. And like what everyone in the happening? room on this podcast like agreed. Baby-ish. And I was just like. Babies. I just couldn't. It's just really hard to believe it's already at that level where it's it's dangerous rhetoric because, yeah, I get it that people don't like Trump and are scared of him. I get that. But it's you have to follow through on that. If you actually think Trump is a Manchurian candidate, like that's a serious accusation. Right. And he should of be. Of course. He should be removed from the presidency. If another country, like. Exactly. I mean, I believe in any country's right to like remove someone from power who was like elected through like a corrupt or like by cheating or anything like that i mean you know to a certain extent i mean i don't want to get i hope that can't be like misinterpreted what i just said but you know you know what i'm trying to say no 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 of course it's like that's what goes to my point before like if this is real if you guys really think this then overturn the election and then hold a new election and give us the evidence like let's let's take it all the way or stop exactly and that's why it's so infuriating that Obama waited this long and his reason for doing so is because he didn't want to seem like he was interfering with the election and didn't want to seem like biased towards it's making crazy. Trump, putting Trump at a disadvantage almost. He didn't use those right. exact words, but right. it's like, dude, you're a Democrat who's already supposed to be expected to endorse Hillary and be pro-Hillary. Right. Like, what? How is that? even remotely a calculation you would make it doesn't it and all it's a lie and, he's lying and i know we've we've said this over and over again but i the point still has to be driven home that this does not even if russia did hack the dnc does it take away from what we learned from the dnc did they plant false information did they doctor documents no like it's just mind blowing so these people's logic is that because we learned about the criminality and corruption and Hillary mocking environmentalists and scoffing at Bernie supporters. And if that turned off Bernie supporters, seeing what Hillary Clinton really thought of them, that's Russia's fault. That's not Hillary's fault for saying those things. That's Russia's fault for telling us what Hillary really thinks. What I can't even follow the logic. And we've totally forgotten about what the content of the leak is. Exactly. Or the hack or whatever. It's exactly. Crazy. 
and and that's dominating the conversation. And what was and before this became uh, the main topic of conversation again because it already was attempted before. It didn't right. get to this level For before. Months. Um, but in between that, there was one thing that took away from the content of the leaks um, that everybody was focused on, especially the conspiracy people, and Pizza that was Gate. Pizzagate. Pizzagate. <laughs> which honestly, I do not think it's. I don't think it's a coincidence that this fake news meme, this like weaponized term, came around about the same time as Pizzagate, like turning into a huge phenomenon. Right. I mean, it almost seems like it was a match made in heaven. That this right. this crazy theory that Hillary Clinton was running a child sex trafficking ring would snowball to something that big so quickly, while there might have been thousands of. Uh, like juicy leaks still in Podesta's emails mm -hmm. that but nobody no was paying attention to. It. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Nobody would even bother to pay attention to at mm -hmm. this point. Mm -hmm. I mean, so. Totally poisoned the well in like a, a 24 hours. Yeah. I mean, but all that done. information still in WikiLeaks. Right. I mean, it's all still yeah. there. And yep. WikiLeaks, I have to uh, say, didn't, did a horrible job trying to maintain its credibility during this election cycle too. They started tweeting out stuff from way fringy like outlets like right wing um outlets like, yeah, like uh, the gateway pundit and stuff yeah the like bad stuff. the gateway pundit they had some stuff from we are change and uh, honestly some of the stuff we are change runs is good the stuff that wikileaks decided to retweet was really bad stuff it was um, complete trash yeah it was, it was it was bullshit and it was meant to like conspiracy dog whistle people and it was very yep. against the normal let's just say the character that WikiLeaks normally represents online, like totally right. counter to that whole, they're never trying to bait conspiracy theorists like that ever. Right. They're very, usually right. very, they post like sort, when they show an article from something about a WikiLeak, it's always from like a good legitimate source most of the yep. time. And they yeah, just threw that, that out the different. window. Mm -hmm, that was different. And it, was a, it was a very bizarre time. And, and yeah, and now Hannity flies to the Ecuadorian embassy in London to interview Assange in an hour-long one-on-one sit-down interview where Julian Assange is doesn't bring up anything about Hannity, how Hannity was part of like spreading U.S. government propaganda. And it's just really surreal because Sean Hannity keeps bringing up the fact that he knows how it feels to be ignored by the mainstream media when he's telling oh the truth. Oh, my God. Because he was talking about how radical Obama was and nobody would listen to him for years and nobody took him seriously. And Julian Assange is just like not, you know, not rebutting any of that stuff. He's That's just so bizarre. And then Julian Assange is complaining about how the mainstream media lied, you know, about what he was doing for so many years and tried to like discredit his work and doesn't mention Fox News or Sean Hannity. It's just, it's a very fascinating to watch. And then also all these people posting it like Sean Hannity is now some kind of hero for talking about it. I mean, I don't. I just don't understand how that works. Yeah, I don't understand. Like, I got it leading up to the election. This like weird alliance with conservative pundits who were somehow all of a sudden on our side, right? You can call uh, Julian Assange a, a, a traitor who deserves to be hanged. But once he's on your side, then all of a sudden you love him and praise him. The thing is, we need to be calling these motherfuckers out. Why are we letting them play us? exactly that's crazy or like glenn beck look how much he played some weird sectors of democrats in the left recently where people were praising him for saying that he's going to go in the streets and hold hands with muslims protesting trump like he was saying shit like that on his radio show i was listening to this right after trump got elected like looking at Lori, like 
like with my mouth agape. Like, what is, am I hearing this right now? Like mm-hmm. live on AM radio, fucking right wing talk radio. It, it was like, it, it just seemed like it was like a not, it was an, an alternate dimension. And then now he's back to saying, oh, so is Black Lives Matter going to talk about the Black Lives Matter kidnapping hashtag? Like with this, you know, these four oh black God. teens kidnapping this this uh, white guy. Um, so it's like, dude, you guys, you guys, these people do not, cannot be redeemed with just like a few tokenistic statements because simply because, and let's face it, the Republicans, a large swath of them taught a lot of other Republicans to just d- hate Trump anyways. So who knows how that what how that's going to filter down? And Glenn Beck's world that filtered down to him like taking this crazy position for him of all of a sudden having solidarity with Muslims. It's disgusting. Oh, and then his solidarity with Sam B. Great. I'm glad that we have this bizarre alliance of neoliberals because neoliberals would rather align with actual fascists and racists and bigots than actual socialists or leftists. That's that's the reality that we live in. You're right. They'd rather align with those people than us. Or bring them on to have like a kind of a argument slash lighthearted debate you know mm-hmm. like yeah, like um, fun. trevor noah brought on some alt-right oh my god like white I genocide dude woman dude that was so crazy for 30 minutes and he gave and, her the whole show and you're absolutely right the only person from like that's would consider themselves a socialist who's on the left they would bring on is like cornell west yeah. and it's because they it's because he's like really entertaining he's good on television yep yep, yep. And he's like more like spoken word where it's yeah. like, oh, yeah. And also because yeah. there are other there are people who can write him off because of his style, mm-hmm. too. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. So it's like they never bring on people like, um, you know, they would never bring on someone like Mark Ames or anybody like that. No, of course not. Or Even though Robert he would give Perry. way more analysis. And he's no Putin apologist. He got kicked out of Russia for his journalism under yeah. Putin. And but like, of course, they wouldn't allow him on. He'd give extremely fair coverage and talk about the real history. Did you ever watch Hypernormalization? I know, and I I don't know if I want. I will. Well, I just have. I, I mean, it. you don't you don't have to watch it. It's not like required viewing. But they the only like original interview, one of the only ones in the whole movie, is a sit down interview with like Robert Perry, Adam Curtis, mm-hmm. asking him questions, and they only used like maybe like a minute total of him Weird. in the movie. And I was just thinking, if you bothered to fly out, I'm assuming to the United States to interview Robert Perry, wouldn't you? use more of him because he's he's a he's got a lot of really interesting shit to say and he goes Maybe they didn't like what he had to say and that's and that just says a lot to me it's like i'm reading several of his books at once right now slowly making my way through them and there's really there's very few writers journalists james risen is one who comes to mind who have made a case like he's making in these books about the u.s waging propaganda wars how the Reagan administration like changed the game in terms of, you know, domestic propaganda and controlling the press and all this kind of stuff. I mean, he just lays it out super eloquently. It doesn't come off as kooky. He was an AP reporter for years and years. He was one of the only investigative AP reporters like in the entire country for a long time. I mean, so he has like real credentials, but yet you just rarely hear him ever talked about. You know, they, yeah. these yeah. shows no, of never have him yeah. on. Nope. Nope. And and one last thing that I'll say, because the battery's running out of my Zoom and we should wrap it up. But um, one last thing that I wanted to say about fake news. I will not take anything that these publications say seriously about fake news until they stop putting blatantly false clickbait stories 
on their ad space. Oh yeah. Um, in the middle of a New York Times article, it'll be a story about Alec Baldwin dying. Um, on the bottom of HuffPo, it's the dog with the human face and the, um, I don't, like how you can you know weight loss secrets for da 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 da. Yeah, like alien that's like a, shit. Yeah, like a like, like underwater really bad. pyramids yeah. and shit. Yeah, like straight sometimes. up, straight up fake stories, like hundred percent. So. And, and sometimes they're masked because they're within the ad space because that's the reason that they make money is because they want them to seem like they're part of the site. And so you'll just think they're another column of news. It's absolutely bullshit. Yeah. And I even have a problem with, I mean, like I already see people trying to like reverse the whole, you know, the, the, the term fake news has already been adopted by the target, which is people who are into alternative media. So like- right. The, the people who are into alternative media are like calling everything in the mainstream media or just anything that's that's shitty media or like that's putting out blatant propaganda, fake news. They're using that same phrase. I think it's a dangerous precedent to set because it does almost reinforce that post-truth paradigm of like two, literally two separate realities. And I'm not even talking about like conservative versus liberal because there were always kind of two separate realities for a while. I mean, we've we've grown up politically and formed our views during a hyper-partisan era, you know, post-Clinton. Um, but it's gotten even way worse than that now. Like after, I think then the fake news meme is partly designed to do that, to push people even further into these separate camps. I mean, what do you think? Yeah, no, absolutely. No, and, and, and that's why we need to be really, really careful moving forward. Um, with our media consumption and understanding of media. So the fake news thing was definitely a propaganda effort on behalf of the establishment to paint all of alternative media with a broad brush. Half of it was bullshit sites. Half of it was great sites that do amazing reporting like Truth Dig and Counterpunch. So we need, to, this is a very serious crisis. We are in an information war. It is an actual war. Um, and we need to take it back and we need to also push very sane, credible sources that are not, you know, it's like we just can't paint everything with a broad brush. We can ingest media from all different angles, but just understand where it's coming from. Um, you know, if you're reading the New York Times and all these other sites, it's really, really important to do that, to understand the angle that they come from, you know, the establishment angle. And that really sets the narrative for the whole beltway. Um, so if you're looking, okay, what does the DC bubble think? Those those publications are really, really good to get a sense of what the elite is is doing and thinking. But in terms of like real reporting, we have to either take that upon ourselves or put out real factual things um, that can go contrary to this. Because in the age of Trump, we are going to be in a post-truth narrative, but it's not going to be the way that they say it is. It's going to be us battling with Trump loyalists, with these conservative right-wing blogs, and with people who think that everything's a lie, everything's fake, everything's a conspiracy, and Trump can do no wrong. And we need to be really, really careful dissecting that and moving forward to try to collaborate and build something that can counter that. Because uh, we're in for a rough ride. Yeah, this, this whole trend of you know, because Trump is seemingly saying anti-establishment things and because it seems like the intelligence agencies and the Democrats and the Obama administration are trying to undermine his presidency and delegitimize it, just because of that, um, you see these certain outlets like Zero Hedge 
And well, Infowars obviously has already been like this for a long time, mm-hmm. but you know, Zero Hedge is more surprising to me where it seemed like they used to be kind of like to the left and to the, you know, no, not necessarily like to the right or to the left, you know, uh, they were, they were a little bit more hard to pin down of a website and they put out good content. And now it just seems like they're defending Trump all the time. And in every single article they put out, all the comments are pro Trump people. And it's just like, what the fuck is going on? You know, it's, I just think it's, it does set a very dangerous precedent and it will Mm -hmm, be very mm -hmm. bizarre to see how it plays out if the alternative media or these certain p- sectors of the alternative media are still in Trump's pocket once he's in the presidency, if he's still sparring with the mainstream press, I guess they will be. It'll just continue like that. Yeah, exactly. Just because, like, it's just so frustrating. Trump is the establishment. Now, Breitbart is the establishment. Infowars is the establishment. So don't give me that shit that somehow these are like, oh, they're telling the truth. They're real intrepid, really telling us what's going on. But like every one of these people is kind of the same way. I don't, we need to just totally make them fucking irrelevant, 100%. And I I even regret talking about them on here, but it just makes me sick that these people, like that's their counter narrative. Like Trump can do no wrong. And look, Black Lives Matter are really terrorists. Like, look, white people are really being victimized. It's like, geez, get a hold of yourself. We have real problems here in this country. Well, it's just we don't have time for that shit. And they, yeah, and they just act like they they complain about the you know the left or the liberal left being such victim mentality people. But what are they doing when they always act like the liberal media is conspiring against them? You know, the so-called liberal media to the point where they'll just boy who cried wolf jump out ahead of anything and say, yeah. Oh, this this kidnapping of the you know by these these four uh, black teens of this white guy. The media is just not even going to talk about it because the liberal media is going to cover it up because they don't want to make any black people look bad. But then, yeah, yeah. But then once the media talks about it, they just never recant. They just act like right. they were right. You know, they never like like in their own mind. There are they like oh actually no they did talk about it this time. Like I was wrong. I mean, it doesn't even seem like there's any thought process that that happens like that. They just you know, get stuck in some other weird paradigm and act like, you know, the media is not going to talk about this or, you know, or if this is a black a guy who's existence, though, you know? What? It's such a weird, lonely, sad existence to just be like in this Twitter world and like trying to, I don't know, like, like justify your own bigotry or whatever by like just random people who have no following on Twitter and just being like, look, like, how come no how come the media is not talking about like this like how come how come jack isn't banning this person it's like um because they don't have millions of people and like directing hate attacks on people and like doxing people i don't know like because the people person has like five followers and it's probably a sock puppet account that you created like i don't know i'm just guessing here it's just such a sad trolly thing i don't know i've been off i've been off twitter for a week and it was the best thing i ever did i know i need to get back on to promote stuff but man it really drags you down Oh yeah. I mean, you, and it just, it really does. You just see how reactionary and and more divided things are becoming. Mm -hmm. And it's not like things are being fractured more into little different camps. I mean, I feel like that already, we already hit that part of the, that bump in the road, like maybe a year ago or a year and a half ago. And now we're more in like these, now these existing camps are just getting like their, the divide is becoming way wider now. I mean, um, and you just see them reacting harder and harder against each other. 
Um, well, that's it's just so frustrating to be told that social justice warriors and leftists are the reason that this country is destroyed. Like it really, really bothers me because these people have gravitated their whole following from being anti-establishment over to, over to now just hating leftists. Yeah, and, and and it really has made a huge impact. Like you know, look at how many fucking followers they have. So many people search for these people to to justify their own no racism it, and bigotry and hatred of of leftists and stuff it's hilarious hatred i mean it's like it's like somebody cleverly seized on all these embarrassing leftist displays and i see i'm not i'm using the term leftist wrong i mean, I mean like college mm -hmm. campus liberal yeah like liberal. displays to finally fi find a way to make a lot of regular people think that that's what the left somehow that that's what the left is now like it creates the illusion that that is what it is to certain people, and then and then it just gets keeps getting reinforced and recycled to the point where now all these like comedians think they're being censored. I mean, like you know they use like like naming stand-up comedy specials like triggered and stuff like that. Like it's become a very popular belief that the left is responsible for like this weird PC censorship thing when it's right. like it's not even really happening. It's like there was way more of a problem with like evangelicals and like moral, you know, censorship police, you know, type people and like family values, people trying to censor music back in the eighties. You know, I mean, they did like hearings yeah. in Congress about it and stuff. Yeah. Yep. So, I mean, I don't know. It's just, it's bullshit. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. Well, I hope that people, I do think that the Russia thing is falling flat. I know that a lot of Democratic voters do think that Russia actually hacked the votes. I just think that if we just, let's just try to get it out there what the truth is. You know, now that this report is out there showing how comical this all is, let's let's really, really try to shift the narrative here. Just if you hear anyone talking about this, um, you know, get involved. Offer your opinion. Uh, don't be afraid to talk about how, how insane this is. Um, don't be afraid to bring this up to your coworkers and colleagues and and see what they think and kind of try to flesh it out. Cause I, I do think that we should all be trying to dissect this disinformation campaign as much as we can. Um, Cause like I said, it's an information war and we're all the victims. We're the marks. Yeah. And so I think we got to get out there and try to reverse this. Yeah. And I, and I think, you know, we can only do our best with what knowledge we have. I mean, in some ways, you know, sometimes I'm, I get worried that the point of view that I'm taking is like, you know, is a point of view that some of these propaganda campaigns are meant to pr like produce. And I'm like, oh no, you know, like sometimes I, I'm like worried that the camp, you know, maybe I'm in a camp that's like being created on purpose. I mean, that's where my mind goes sometimes, but um, I think we, you know, we can only just do our best in like trying to, you know, I think using specific examples is some, is a, is a helpful way to do it. Um, mm -hmm. Like with this Russian hacking thing, um, I think it comes down to where's the evidence. I mean, show us the proof. Don't just throw out all these other reasons why you think Russia is undermining American confidence. Show us the proof of the specific accusation and why it's an important accusation. And if you do think Trump was elected by Russia in some sort of campaign to undermine our democracy, then do something about it. I mean, like, at least say it outright. You know, don't, like, beat around the... It's just... It just very, I think, I mean, that there's so many ways to poke holes in it, but I just think that's, um, 
that's where I would start if you talk to anybody yeah. about it. <laughs> Yeah, and let us know what you think. Uh, let's get this podcast out there. Let's try to correct the narrative, correct the record. Hillary Clinton's correct the record campaign. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're living in an insane, bogus era um, where people have just gone batshit crazy. And, and you know, it's up to the people who are still sane, still realizing that Trump is actually not, he's not necessarily an aberration. He's just kind of unmasking the horribly corrupt system that we already have. And we are still going to fight against it. We're still going to call it out. Nothing has changed in that respect. So stay sane. Tell everyone that you love them, that you're around. <laughs> and uh, try to, you know, try to have fun, but also try to stay sane in this in, in this crazy, crazy time and um, become more lucid. I, I do recommend actually turning off the mainstream media. I'm, I'm more enjoying listening to local news. There's a really great station in New York called New York One. So that that's a really good thing. Getting off social media, trying not to get too bogged down and just get out there and, uh, you know, talk to people in your community and see, see what's going on. Let us know what you think. We have a Patreon link on our podcast now that you can donate. We're going to be doing at least two podcasts a month um, and create your own media. Let's let, you need to be out there. Don't hide it. Don't don't think that you're going to be on a list. I mean, we all need to be out there voicing our opinions and and correcting what's going on right now. So I encourage your voices and, and your opinions and thoughts. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hey, Robs. No, just thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Bye.